A new anointing is on the way. Precious saints, I'm telling you, a new anointing is on the way for you. And I'm going to show you how to prepare for it today. This is going to be a very, very powerful week. Because I truly feel and I sense in my heart and I know it deep in my soul, a new move of God is on the way. An amazing new anointing. Lord, open our eyes. Open our eyes. Remove the scales off, Lord, that we might see your plan and know your way. Use each one of us. Magnify your name, dearest Jesus. And we will give you the glory. Use us mightily in the coming days for your glorious name's sake. And God's people said, Amen. Boldness, an anointing of boldness is coming that we have never known before. You know, there's a great powerful moment in Acts when Peter and John going up to the temple and there was a man at the gate beautiful. And when they said, look upon us, he was expecting some help financially. And they said, look on us. Us. That was a moment of authority in the church, an amazing moment that brought revival in a way we haven't seen, I think, in our age, the move of God that we see and read about in the book of Acts. We've not seen yet on earth, but we will see it before the coming of the Lord. Now, I'm not saying that this is the last move of God on earth. I just believe there's coming an intensity of the anointing. There's coming a new, fresh, breath of God's power on our lives and everything that you see all around us is saying one thing to us there there is a new move of God coming get ready for it you say what makes you say that well if, uh, you know a few things but mainly three number one what the Bible says to us about how God moved in the past because when you see the conditions that existed before God moved, those same conditions exist today. Number two, there's a cry today we have not seen before for the anointing. And that too is something we see in the scriptures. So number one, the conditions. Number two, the cry in God's people for a new flow of the Spirit, for a new anointing of the Spirit. And thirdly, we see change happening today, amazing change inside the church, meaning many are leaving and more are coming in. Like a, a whole crowd is leaving, but a brand new crowd of hungry souls is coming in, especially among the young. So on one hand, we're seeing an exodus, not a, good, not a good exodus, frankly, people leaving the church. On the other hand, we're seeing a new remnant coming in, an amazing new crowd coming in. I was talking to someone yesterday from Ghana, Pastor Joshua Dagg, and he was telling me, and he's a young man, his building seats 8,000, and that's only one of them in Accra. They have more buildings now like that. He was telling me that the move of God is so mighty in 
in Africa right now and around the world, but especially in Africa. And you see this new hunger among these upcoming young people. And I'm hearing it over and over and over of these amazing young people, men and women on the rise. So that's why I believe a new anointing is a must now because the conditions are right for it, the hunger is right for it, and the change happening is right for it. And I look at my own life, you know, I've, you know I look back at the, at the years in, in ministry I've had, four to eight years or so now, and I remember what brought that anointing in the 70s, same conditions. What brought the anointing in the 90s that we saw in OCC in Orlando, same conditions. What brought the anointing when I was having the Crusades internationally? Same conditions. We are seeing them again on a much higher scale now. So how do we prepare is the question. So Lord, speak to us. Show us your word clearly, clearly in Jesus' name. I want you to write these things down right now that I want to give you. Because I think it is so important to, to understand what do I do so God can use me. Number one, stay little in your eyes. That's the first thing I can tell you. Because in, in, in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 12, we, we read this. And I think it's so important that we understand how God sees it. So God is speaking to David and he says, I gave you your master's house your master's wives into your bosom. I give you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if had that been too little, I would moreover have given unto you such and such things. So David understood there because he had just committed sin by sleeping with Bathsheba, but he repented. He understood one thing, that God would not keep using him if he did not repent stayed little in his own eyes. And we see the change in his own life in Psalm 51, for example, so beautiful. In Saul, it was different. Saul became proud and lost everything. So David could have lost everything because we see it in that prayer, you know, where, where, where he cries, create in me a clean heart, Lord, and, and don't leave me, you know, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. So he was afraid that God would walk away from him like he did from Saul because God did leave Saul. So David understood the only way I'm gonna gain favor with God or keep the favor of God is by staying humble, staying little in my own eyes. And I think that's a key, that's a real key. I remember a man walking up to me at the Dallas airport when I began the Crusades. And he said, well, now you're the biggest name. And he went on, I said, you know what? I don't even think about it. I said, I'm actually afraid to think about it. It wasn't, you know, that I was, you know, uh, falsely saying things. That's just the way I felt. That's the way I still feel. When I would sit in those crusades and I would look at the crowd, believe me, before God Almighty, I tell you, every single service I would say, who am I and who is my father's house? Who am I, Lord? I would look at the thousands sitting in front of me. And the cry out of me was, who am I? Who's my father's house? That's what David said, remember? So that is something important that has to be in your heart that's 
real and God knows when it's real and when it's not real. So first, stay little in your eyes and God will not pass you by. Number two. Number two is very, very important. And a lot of people don't understand Luke uh, 24 because in Luke 24, we see something very, um, how shall I say, one of those uh, mysterious things, you know, about about the Lord that we don't really understand why he does some things like that. So let me just show you because you have to see his heart. And, and I pray, Lord, let them see this one. Let them understand this key in Jesus' name. Luke 24, 28 says, and they drew nigh unto the village. Now, these were two men. One of them was called Cleopas. Walking towards Emmaus, a village away from Jerusalem, the Lord joins them. And now he begins to reveal to them the scriptures. They did not recognize him at that moment. But, but it says, as they drew nigh unto the village, whither they went, watch this. He made it as though he would have gone further. He made it as though he wanted to leave them. Why? Do you remember when the Lord was on the Sea of Galilee and they were in the boat and he came walking on the water? It said he wanted to keep going. He was testing them. He wanted to keep going and then they called him and then he came into the boat. So why do we see that with God? Like the angel wrestling with Jacob, wanting to leave him and Jacob says, don't leave me bless me and so on because god seeks to be sought he longs to be longed for he wants to see if we really want him so the second key is seek his presence seek his presence that's what happened there in verse 29 of of luke 24. it says they constrained him we have to learn how to constrain the Lord. You will never receive a new anointing till you learn how to constrain the Lord. You have, to, you have to urge him to stay. He wants to be wanted. He wants to be called for. Like on the Sea of Galilee, he's walking by the boat and they cried out and then he came towards them or the road to Emmaus, they constrained him. They said, abide with us, don't leave us. And I think the angels have that same nature. Remember how when they came to Lot in Genesis, and uh, it says that he urged them greatly. They did not want to go into the house with him. They said, no, we, we will stay outside. We're gonna stay outside. It says he urged them greatly. He put great pressure on them to stay. You see Abraham that doing the same thing with the Lord in Genesis 18, where he constrained him to stay and eat. Or, or think about Samson's mom you know, and dad, constraining the angel to stay. So there's, there's a lot in the Bible about constraining the Lord. And also his angels are the same. So you, you read that and sometimes people miss it, you know. But the anointing, I have not known it in my life unless I constrain the Lord. No, no, Lord, no, please don't. You know, and the Lord responds to that. Please don't leave. Please don't, Jesus. So 
Because God always wants to pull away to see if we want him to stay. So when you feel like the Lord is walking away, that's a good sign because he's looking for you to say, oh, please don't leave. He loves it. And then he pours his power on you. He's like, like, you know, an abundant anointing comes because he sees how you want him. So, you know, God loves to hide. Uh, uh, Isaiah 45, 15 talks about, you know, you're, you're a God who hides. And so it says in Jeremiah 29, 13, if we seek him with all your heart, not just half of your heart, if you seek him with all your heart, you'll find him. So it's really important we really get those rich, precious revelations about the Lord, that he wants to be wanted. All right, number three. Number three is don't despise what he has given you already. If you want a new anointing, don't despise what God has given you already. I've learned that from the Bible and my own experience. So what I'm sharing with you are things I've learned over the years. You have to understand if God begins to see where someone despises what they have, he will take away from them what they already have. They will lose with God, basically. So God wants us to treasure the little we have, not despise it. And so it says in Luke uh, uh, 16, let's just go to Luke 16, and we're gonna look also at Luke 19. So, and I know, we, we, you know we, we, we've seen these amazing uh, scriptures, but maybe we, we never really kind of connected them properly. But look at uh, Luke 16, and we're going to look at verse 10. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. So the Lord is looking at how are you handling the little in your life? Do you cherish it? Do you treasure it? Or do you despise it? And also uh, 19, Luke 19, 17. Now, I know people know that, but, you know, it's good to kind of connect it well, where you see, okay, I want, if I should ask you now, if I could see you like face to face and ask you how many want a new anointing, I think every hand would go up. Every, everybody says, yeah, I want it. Well, I'm giving you how to, how to get the new anointing because it's, it's coming. I can give you this prophetically. A new anointing is coming. The conditions are right, the cry is right, and the changes are right. So when, when, when you see that, then you get ready for it. So number three, you cannot despise the treasure God has put in your heart already. So, and, and so it says in verse 17, Luke 19, and, and, and he said to him, well thou good servant, because thou has been faithful in a very little, you've been faithful in a very little in the blessed well. I'm gonna give you authority over 10 cities. So God, God notices the little stuff we often miss in our faithfulness to him. You know what, I don't want to kind of keep you too long by telling you what I have seen in my own life in the past. But I was faithful, and I did not know I was actually doing it, when I served Jim Pointer, a wonderful man, Free Methodist pastor. 
and uh, he would take me with him to go minister. He had a big, massive accordion, and I would carry his accordion that was heavier than me, and I would help him get ready for the meetings and, and things that are only between God and I that I did, because it's not right for me to talk about what God told me to do to serve that precious man. And uh, I am who I am today because I think the Lord was testing my service ability. Will I serve a man that nobody knew? And nobody really knew Jim. He was uh, a precious saint of God with not a very major ministry. He didn't have a global, global ministry. He didn't have a, a ministry that many people knew about him. But I just felt I want to serve this man of God. Not realizing the Lord was watching me. And then when, when the ministry began, when I began in the ministry, he was the one to help me in those early days. And I continue helping and ministering to him. And I've said it and I, you know, m meant every word. Had Miss Kuman lived longer, I would have been very happy to, to do anything she wanted. Because I, you know, I understood one thing, not just from the Bible. I think the Lord allowed me to be with some great people in those days that taught me a lot about the ways of the Lord. And, uh, and I'm so, I was so blessed to meet so many. And, and then I began to go from church to church and minister to some of the greatest churches in the world and often stayed in, their, in the homes of these amazing pastors with their families. And I just learned so much from watching them and how God used them. One was David Duplessis. Now, I didn't stay in his home. He, he was not a pastor. But I watched that amazing man being used by God and his humility and his family and, and others like him. just was so moving. And you learn over and over and over. These people treasured those beginnings. The, the, the small they had when they started. And Catherine always used to say, never forget from where you've come. Never forget from where you've come. Dear Dan Melichuk, you probably never heard those names. He was the head of Logos International, very close to Catherine Kuhlman. I never met Miss Kuhlman, but he knew her well. And he told me the times that she would sleep uh, in, in uh, these farms with the, with the animals, <laughs> you know, in the farm when, when she'd, she'd go and minister. So God looks at those things. All right, so that's really important. Number four, now I'm going to continue tomorrow because there's so much I want to talk to you about. Number four is very, very important. Who do you associate with? Association is critical to the anointing because if you associate with the wrong people, you can lose everything. I'm telling you, if you associate with the wrong people, even though God may be anointing you and using you, you would lose that ministry. You would lose the anointing altogether. So right people are critical when it comes to an anointing coming where you want God to use you, you must surround yourself with the right people. So it says in Acts 4.13, and it says when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, that is when the Pharisees saw that, and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled 
and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. So here were fishermen, as the Bible says, unlearned men. They were not educated, but they were with the Lord. And that influence, because they were with the Lord, that association brought them to a new level where God began to use them. So this is really important. Or think about, you know, what happened with David's men. You, you have a, a group of men who were, you know, basically outcasts and in trouble. And now they joined themselves to David and they all became mighty men. So, but let me also talk to you about the wrong associations. And we see that in the Bible where people lost the blessings of God, like Demas, who loved the things of this world, Paul said. Now, he was one of Paul's main men. Demas was not just a little guy. Demas was one of the main people around Paul the Apostle. But it says that he left the faith, having loved this present world, meaning he began to surround himself with the wrong crowd and was dismissed from trust, was dismissed from ministry, and later dismissed completely from the kingdom of God. And we have no record that he was accepted later by the Lord or that he came back and repented. So here is one and others like him that, uh, that just walked away. Diatrophus was another one mentioned in the epistle of John that, that became an enemy of the gospel and the kingdom of God. He dismissed himself. Judas, look how, what, what he lost by getting close to the Pharisees and was poisoned by them. And then the devil entered him. So he walks away from the apostles. I mean, imagine, imagine, okay? Walking away from the most important time with Jesus, the Last Supper, the Lord is, is about to offer his life for our salvation. And what does Judas do? He goes looking for what? Some, some money from the Pharisees so he can betray his, his Lord. So his heart had changed already. And I can assure you that Judas already had been talking to the Pharisees prior, when we, because we know it from the Bible, and he became polluted. And he was talking to the enemies. So people walking away from, from, from the church, walking away from their, their calling, Disaster follows, and you see it over and over, how much people lose with the wrong association. Like, why would Uzziah, King Uzziah, fail God and became a leper? He became proud. Or Saul, why did these men fail so, so terribly? Wrong association. They began to surround themselves with people who told them what they want to hear. And I think the right association is what keeps God trusting you, and that is key. So make sure you don't have the wrong people around you. God's word says one sinner, one sinner destroys a whole lot of good. Just one person can destroy so much that God is doing in your life. So we have to protect ourselves from the wrong people. So a new anointing is coming, and dear Lord, we need the right association. Let me just quickly show you, even though I mentioned it, because I, you know, I would like you to at least read it for yourself. All right, let me show you a scripture from 1 Samuel 20, because I think it's important for you to see that for yourself. It says in 1 Samuel 22, verse 2, 
And everyone that was in distress, everyone that was in debt, everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him, David that is, and he became a captain over them. And they were with him about 400 men. So here's 400 men who, you know, were losing everything. They were, they, they were distressed and in trouble and, you know, outcast. But then something happened because of that association. And that is where we look at 2 Samuel 23. And we're going to look at verse 8 and verse 18 and 20. In verse 8 it says, And these, and these be the names of the mighty men whom David had. So now suddenly you are, you, you, you are looking at these amazing men, and it gives us their names here. And then if you look at verse 18, it talks about what they did. Here's one man lifting up his spear against 300 people. And here's another one there in verse 20, uh, who was, uh, he, he slew two lion-like men of Moab and so forth. Mighty people, mightily anointed by God. Yet they were all completely outcasts in 1 Samuel. Now they're all mighty in 2 Samuel. So here's the key, precious people. Association. I think this is so, so key. I want to pray before we, we say good, goodbye today because I really believe the Lord's going to use you in a mighty way. I just know it in my being. And I'm going to continue tomorrow because there's more I want to share with you about getting ready for that new anointing. I'm not done talking yet, so please join me tomorrow. But I want to pray that the Lord now will send you the right people and deliver you from the wrong ones because God wants to use you. Stretch your hands towards me. I'm stretching my hands and my heart towards you. Lord, use them. Lord, bring about the right conditions in their heart and life and the right people in their heart and life that will bring them to that place where you can use them mightier than they can ever believe for, greater than they can ever believe for, Lord, I know, I know, I'm praying with someone who really needs this. Minister to them, Lord. Prepare them, Lord, for that new anointing coming in Jesus' holy and mighty name. Amen and amen. Now listen, tomorrow I'm going to pray with you a little more because I want to be a little more specific when I pray at the end with you tomorrow because I want to say something to you from my heart that I've had to experience myself about the anointing. So make sure you join me tomorrow. But now it's time to give to the Lord's work. This is Monday. Listen, this is a very important time here. We are in July. Things are about to change drastically beginning fall. I'm giving you a prophetic word. In the fall of this year, October, November, maybe even a little earlier, things are going to shift in a big way, in a big way. And, and you need to be ready before then. I'm talking to someone right now. You need to be ready before October, November for God to begin to do with you what you've been praying for. But you have to prepare today. And everything I'm giving you, everything I'm saying is right what you need to hear right now. There'll be more I'll share with you tomorrow. And this, you know, this really has to do with a lot of you, not just one or two people. But now it's time to give to the Lord's work so God can bless you also financially and, and 
use you to bless others. And I'm talking about bring prosperity to others because I believe that anointing also brings prosperity. It's not just about God using us to bless people spiritually. We can, we can bring the anointing of God on people's lives that their own life will be blessed, period, in every area. So giving is important in the sight of God because every time we give, we prove ourselves worthy of trust, that God will trust us with more and secure our future financially and our families. So Lord, bless them as they give in Jesus' wonderful name. God's people said, Amen. Okay, you can go on, so you can sew on the platform you're watching me on. You can go to our website, benahin.org, or you can simply text BHM45777. And please join me tomorrow for another powerful, and I mean powerful, teaching, because I know what's coming and you don't. I know what's in my notes, and I know what's in my heart especially. All right, I'll see you tomorrow. And don't forget, talking about the anointing, get my book, Mysteries of the Anointing. This is altogether different than what I'm talking about here. But this is very life-changing, very life-changing, from everywhere books are sold, Mysteries of the Anointing. All right, I'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for being with me. Bye-bye.